This is Mark Robert Halper. I'm a commercial photographer out of Los Angeles on my second time here. And you are listening to Light Source. And welcome to episode 18 of Light Source, the official podcast of StudioLighting.net. StudioLighting.net introduces photographers to portrait and studio lighting techniques and equipment. I'm Bill Crawford, publisher. And I'm Ed Hidden, exclusive photographer and image inspector with iStockphoto.com. On today's episode, we are going to have a little something different for us. We uh, had Mark Robert Halper on the show earlier uh, in our episodes, and Bill and I had a chance to talk with him on the phone a little bit more relaxed, a little bit more informal, and it was interesting getting to interview Mark in a in a little bit more of a relaxed free flow conversation and the it ended up being a pretty long conversation didn't it bill yeah we talked for over an hour actually <laughs> with mark that night <laughs> so in fact so much that i think what we're going to do is have to break that conversation into two parts but we definitely want to air all of it i didn't want to cut anything that was really good so so this episode is going to be more of the the inspirational conversation uh, talking about more of the why of photography and less of the how yeah, which is cool. Uh, it's a little bit of a different perspective, and Mark shares a lot of the stuff that he talks about in his workshops, so looking forward to that. But before we get into that, um, I, I would ask you about what you've been shooting lately, but I know that what you've been, because we tried to get together and do a photo shoot this week. Yeah, how about that? And uh, as luck would have it, we had two models that bailed on us. Yeah. So um, unfortunately, we didn't get to do the shoot, so we'll have to reschedule that. But other than that, I have been, man, eh, I've been working on some little art projects and not so much my stock library, which I need to focus more on. I hear you. I've been just putting a couple things up here and there, some uh, family photos and some friends that have been over doing some portrait work. But other than that, just uh, kind of plugging away at the site. Um, I saw that some news this week. Your new camera just was released, wasn't it? Yeah, my new camera. <laughs> you could say that. Yeah, Nikon released a D2XS, which is a bit of an upgrade for the D2X. That looks like a really neat camera. Of course, I don't think it's my next camera because of its price tag. But <laughs> um, some cool things. It has a, a better LCD that's viewable from a better a lot of better angles. Uh, they had just some upgrades. Yeah, I hadn't uh, I hadn't read too much about it because I'm, I'm back out of the market again, so I'm not. Right. I'm content with where I am, so I'm just going to stick with there. And I feel bad because a lot of people do come to me and they go, oh, what, what do you think is a good camera to get? And I'm like, um, Canon or Nikon, pick your price range. Right. Although I have to say, uh, there might be at least a third choice here soon, judging from some of the specs I've seen on Sony's new Alpha DSLR. Did you see that? I saw a picture of it and I read a little bit about it. I think the thing that I was most curious about was what it was going to take because I know that I'm a diehard uh, compact flash kind of guy. And I was curious to see if this was going to take memory stick, which it does, but it also takes compact flash. So it's a odd step for Sony, I think, but a good one. I agree. Yeah, traditionally, they were very limited in the types of media they accepted. But I think there's some really exciting things about this camera, for the consumer world at least, um, you know, because it's under $1,000, but yet it's a 10 megapixel CMOS sensor uh, with anti-shake built in, which is, I think, a big deal. And also anti-dust built into the uh, to the sensor. So I would love to know how that works long term. Yeah, call I, me a skeptic. <laughs> well, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, maybe Sony will send us a couple of models. There we go. 
what else has been going on in the camera world? Well, um, I've been doing some reading. Uh, I'm getting a bit more wrapped up in digital asset management or DAM software. And, Watch um, your mouth. As it's called. It's, <laughs> there's no N on the end. It's cool. It's not a swear word. <laughs> Try to keep our clean tag. I know. Well, it's an acronym. I'm sorry, the DAM software. I know what you meant. Yeah. Well, actually, technically, I probably should call it DAM software because every reference I've seen of it is all uppercase. Gotcha. So, you know, we say HDR, RGB, DVD. You know, it's it, since it's all uppercase, we'll call it DAM. Okay. So I've been using iView Media Pro, uh, which recently just updated to 3.1, and it did add some really nice bug fixes that were some essential ones that I that it needed. It, it also added a notepad function where you can notate images and share them with an art director. I haven't really gotten to use that too much um, because I started using ACDC Pro as well. And I know I, I gave it a negative review before, but I'm giving it a, a fair shake this time because it, I'm noticing that it's fitting into some parts of my workflow a little bit better than Ivy Media is. So so now I have two applications that I like and, and that do the same thing and I need to figure out which one I'm going to stick with long term. You know, there's so much out there about workflow. We're definitely planning to do a show related to that, I think. Yeah, the the guest I wanted to bring on is um, Peter Crow, who is the author of the DAM book. And it's an excellent book from O'Reilly Press. And I think Peter's probably one of the foremost authorities on the topic right now. And I know it's a hot topic in our Flickr thread. And I've been blogging about it and talking about it in the Flickr group as well. I, I think it's probably going to be one of the biggest developments in photography in the next year. I mean, the cameras are kind of peeking out where they are. And, you know, everyone's shooting more. So it's going to be the big thing. You know, people are going to get down the road here a little bit and say, well, where is image number you know, X or this thing that I took? <laughs> right. Well, along the lines of workflow, I guess Adobe Lightroom Beta 3 came out again this week. So it's still a, not PC. No, it's not PC. But they have a little sign-up thing that you can say, you know, you want to be notified. But I did download it and check it out. Some of the um, Some of the improvements that they made are more related to uh, some of the web outputs and stuff like that. But, I mean, it's so far, I still really enjoy using that software. So. I'd like to be able to say that. Yeah, well, hey, <laughs> you know, it won't be long, I, I hope. <laughs> Great, then I'll have three programs to choose from. Yeah, and it'll just make your choice harder. <laughs> there, There's some other, uh, you've been doing a bit of work on studiolighting.net, haven't you? Uh, a little bit, actually. We converted the site to a newer version uh, of our content management system. One of the things I was able to throw in there which I thought was kind of fun, was uh, voting polls, you know, some, some some public opinion type of thing. The first one that we put up there was, what is your favorite key light modifier? You can sort of just check from the list of, of a few options and see what everybody else thinks. So far, uh, softboxes are winning. <laughs> uh, let's not tell uh, Mark Robert Halper. No, he wouldn't be happy with that. But it's something cool, you know, kind of go to the site and, and vote for your favorite modifier. And we'll just put up a new pool with each light source episode. Great. Yeah. But I think the biggest news related to StudioLighting.net, and I couldn't wait to talk about this on tonight's episode, because it's been in the planning for a little while. But that's our first official StudioLighting.net photography contest. This is going to be a lot of fun. Our first contest is actually co-sponsored by ShootSmarter.com. Will Crockett over there has been gracious with some of the prizes that we're going to be giving out. We'll talk about in a minute. But basically, we'd like you guys to get out there and take some portraits. And we're going to have it judged by uh, Christopher Gray, who was a guest on the show, and some of the staff at ShootSmarter.com. Uh, and then the prizes, Ed, tell them what they'll win. 
Well, Johnny, <laughs> first prize will be a full collection of Shoot Smarter DVDs, which is every DVD in their catalog, which you can check out at ShootSmarter.com. Second place will be uh, the Shoot Smarter DVDs Digital Portrait Lighting Level 3 with Christopher Gray, which is their new one they just released, plus Digital Exposure Control. And third place Shoot Smarter DVD will be just the Digital Portrait Lighting Level 3 with Christopher Gray. And all of those are outstanding DVDs, and I think for our audience, certainly something that you guys are going to enjoy. So we're really kind of excited about this contest and the prizes, but here's the deal. It's got to be a portrait, and it's going to be judged on lighting quality, exposure control, white balance, and the use of aperture and shutter speed, as well as your posing and composition. So they're going to be looking at all these elements of each of the photos that are submitted. And we're going to do it for one month. We're going to allow the contest to go on until July 15th at midnight. So basically, that's the deal. And we want them to be taken at least this year. So if you, it's okay if you submit some older photos, but please make sure that you've taken them at least in 2006. So we're not looking at like you know stuff you pull out of the closet or whatever. We'd like you guys to actually get out and shoot. That's the whole point here. <laughs> and um, there are instructions on the site on how to... Uh, submit your photo and please submit only one photo for judging. Yeah, and actually the way that we're going to accept submissions, we're going to try to do this the first time using our Flickr group, uh, and that way we have everything in one place. So the detailed instructions are at studiolighting.net, but basically what we're asking you guys to do is tag the image with a special tag that's just for our contest, and then add it to the uh, light source Flickr group pool. So and for those of you that cannot or do not have Flickr, you can send your image to studiolighting at gmail.com, and we will post it on Flickr for you and add it to the group. So that's the deal. So get out there and, and, and uh, give us your best work. Well, we've probably bantered a good bit here. We should probably dive into the, uh, the discussion, the talk, with Mark Robert Halper. I agree. Sounds good. Let's hit it. We have with us tonight on The Light Source our first repeat guest, Mark Robert Halper, a commercial photographer from California. And his website is Studio Mark, that's Studio Mark, one word, and Mark with a K. If you want to check out some of the images that, that we'll be talking about in the show, and uh, you can follow along. And Mark, thanks for joining us. My pleasure to be here. So what are we going to speak about this evening? Well, I'm, I'm going to let the everyone listening in on a secret. We know we're in for a great show because we just did it. In fact, the show went so well that we started talking, recorded the whole thing, and have had to go back and record the intro because we got so involved. So you've got to stay tuned. You've got to listen. You're going to love it. We know because it's already happened. That's right. <laughs> we joined this interview already in progress. Um, one of the things I want to cover today and I think it's very often forgotten because we go out and we find a cool location and we get a cool model and we've got some new lighting accessory or trick that we learned and we set up a cool light and we take this model and we stick them in this location wearing some cool clothes and in some cool light and what we get back is pure unadulterated mediocrity. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and the reason is because a lot of great elements do not equal a great photograph. The most important element in your photo, 
The thing that hinges everything together is what I call intent. It is the reason that you are taking the photo. It is your vision, which means if you are going to be photographing something, you have to start at one point. You might start with the model and say, how do I see this person? And based on that, you're going to make clothing choices. Where do I see them? What is consistent with what I see in one specific way of looking at them? And you'll pick a background or a location, and then you create the light that supports that vision of the person. And if it's something that's not characteristic of you, it doesn't matter. It's still your light. If it's something that is, seems too simple, maybe the shot requires simple light. Most of the best light is really simple. It's not 27 heads. It's one <laughs> right. or two, perhaps. <laughs> and you go at it with the idea of creating a specific vision that you have. And if it's a location that you fall in love with, pick the right model. Pick the right clothing. Jay Mizell said in a workshop I took with him, and I'm probably going to be quoting a lot today from workshops, that everything in your photograph is either helping you or hurting you. It, nothing is neutral. That's great. So you want to make sure that everything in your photograph is helping you. When I do a simple type portrait, the objective of my background is to not see it. Most of the time, I want it to disappear. And the way it disappears is by being so much a part of the photograph that it is exactly the right background. It is the only color or the only out of focus or the only place that they could almost be. And therefore, you just see the person because it becomes like their clothing. And they're wearing exactly the right clothing for the way I see them, lit with exactly the right light based on my vision. And someone else's vision of them would be totally different. But it's the way that I see it. And the technical is an extension of my vision. My vision does not exist because of my technical. My technical just helps me get there. And I trust that what I see is my photography because it certainly can't be anything else. It can't be what someone else sees. If I'm trying to imitate someone else's vision, I'm just going to fail. Yeah. It's the way I see. And that will deepen over time so it's definitely important then if i understand what you're saying is for the photographer to visualize the image you know far ahead of time and not try to pull a vision out of uh, out of a bunch of random elements no although that was a logical conclusion <laughs> you can take a bunch of random elements and pull a vision out of them if you see a common thread okay I often have no idea what I'm going to do, and I might not be visualizing something ahead of time as much as I am doing the best that I can with what I've got and making it come together, which doesn't mean I know what each thing's going to be. I'll start with the person, I'll pick the clothing, or maybe they're in clothing. Well, what background is available that's the best choice? What lighting suits this? And I'll do a test, and I'll change something. But there is a way that I see it, and it could be very simple. It is not some complicated thing expressed in language. It simply is the way that I see them and the pieces that are natural. These earrings are really you. Great. That makes them a very good choice for the photo most gotcha. of the time. This feels like your light. Then that's the right light. Okay. 
and it might be window light, and you might have bought a whole bunch of lighting you just bought, and the window light's beautiful, and the window light feels right, get out of the way and use the window light. I was just—I think a lot of guys uh, have have that exact ha- thing happen to them, and you know, it's it's kind of against your nature. You just brought all this equipment, and you know, whatever. There's a perfect sunset, and you have to you have to be conscious of that and say, "All right, I'm just going to leave this equipment in the car." <laughs> it takes—I think it takes some thought to do that sometimes. It's very hard because it means giving up your own ego. You think that you're giving away the photograph. You think that it's not yours. You're not doing it. You don't own it anymore. It's exactly the opposite. When I stopped doing that, my photography got much better. When I started out, I'd walk in, there'd be beautiful natural light, and I would feel like it wasn't mine. So I'd have to black out the windows or overpower them and set up my own strobe lighting, and now it was my light. Well, my light was not as good as what was coming through the window. (laughs) Right. I saw it. I positioned it. You know, I also didn't, you know, I didn't have to give birth to a person to take their portrait in order to call it my portrait. I didn't have to make the clothing myself. You know, the sun's lighting all sorts of things in all sorts of ways. The way that you use it makes it yours. That's a great point. Which excludes someone who set up lighting and you're getting on their set. I'm not talking about that. But in the real world, if you find it and use it and make it work, it's yours. That makes a lot of sense. I want to read a quote, just because I think it's a great quote. Something someone sent me in an email. It's from Teddy Roosevelt, who uh, gave me another great quote, which is, do what you can with what you have where you are, which I've used for my workshops. But this one's slightly longer, and I think it speaks to what we do. Far better it is to dare mighty things, to win glorious triumphs, even though checkered by failure, than to take rank with those poor spirits who neither enjoy much nor suffer much, because they live in the gray twilight that knows not victory nor defeat. Nice. In other words, you've got to get out there and risk failing and do your best, and not rely on what's safe. I, th- I think we've been hearing that a lot lately, haven't we, Bill? Yes. So... You know, it's it's okay that if you go out with and you fill your whole memory card and you only get two or three images, <laughs> you've learned oh, actually from good. all this. Yeah, all those images that you delete, you actually could use very much as an educational thing as well. Well, you need to go through the images you delete. Um, I just finished a series for City of Hope, which is on my website. Right now, it's on the projects page, and there are about ten images maybe 12. I shot 20 people, um, and I edited down to my best 10, but there was a good, at least one good image of everybody. And I shot 200 frames per person to wow. get just a few or sometimes only one good image per person, and those 200 frames were necessary. If you're getting somewhere in a car and you're driving... The first, and they're 100 miles away, the first 99 miles don't get you anywhere that you need to go. You're still nowhere. Right. But you need to, you need to drive all of them, into, you know, in addition to the last mile to get to your destination. That's a cool analogy. And photos are 100 miles away. <laughs> and you're only going to be remembered for what was really good out of your shit. Better to have 100 
bad images and one phenomenal one than 50 that are just okay. Absolutely. Well, I'm feeling better about tonight's shoot than I did already. <laughs> now, I mean, 200 images per person. What are some of the things that you look for in the final image that make you feel like, okay, this is the one? And this, who they are needed to come through in an unpredictable way and an image at least that had some originality and it needed to be true and it needed to just work. And I was able to go through them and go, no, 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 no. And every so often something would click. But I was shooting, I based it on the way that I did my bed project work, which means I was shooting with tungsten light through a silk against the background in this case. Standing up ordinary people, which is almost impossible, <laughs> handheld, wide open at a 20th of a second, which meant nothing was really sharp, Right. although it was all in focus. And sometimes the camera was moving, and there are just certain points where it works, and you have them do this and have them do that, and then at some point they go to scratch their ear, and that's where the magic happens, and you have them scratch it 36 times more. <laughs> <laughs> except it only works for two if you're lucky right or they put their hand up and you realize that was something they did and it was of them and all the other stuff was just necessary prelude for getting there you had to burn it out you had to burn yourself out you had to burn them out you had to do everything you knew how to do before you got to the stuff that you didn't know how to do and the stuff that you didn't know how to do is well, usually where your new images are. When you're out of ideas is when you get the idea. <laughs> I'm going to be speaking in October. I've been invited to a photo by a photographer's association in Alberta, Canada, to speak on creativity and hopefully inspire them. And I'm going to tell you my, what I'm basically going to say, because I think it's the most, it's the key concept. We wait to be inspired. We sit around and we've got a bunch of equipment and we've got a new camera and we think this is going to inspire us, but you know, it's kind of rainy outside and my, my, my model's not looking so good today or she canceled. And it's so much easier not to just say no to not do it, right. which is the greatest failure. A far greater failure than a day of awful, awful images is not shooting. The greatest failure is, is not doing anything because you needed a day of bad images to get to the day of good ones. Sometimes lots of days of bad images or years <laughs> of bad images. But they're sitting there and they don't do it because they're waiting for the inspiration. The secret is the inspiration comes from shooting. It feeds on itself. But you've got to go out and do it because you decided to, because you want to be inspired. You have to begin the shoot. And once you get in and you're going, it picks up. It starts working. You become inspired, and you're inspired for the rest of the day. And at the end of the day, you're really glad that you did it. But I love what I do, but most mornings driving to the shoot in traffic or getting up early, I would just at some level rather have the day off if it wasn't for the money. Right. But yet most of those days at the end of the day, I'm really glad I got to create what I created. That's great. Can I give you another poem? 
Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, Keith Carter, who is a phenomenal art photographer and has very limited technical, read this and reads this when he speaks. So I want to give him appropriate credit because I'm listening from him, and you should all go look at his work and see how something can be so simple and so beautiful without any studio lighting. KeithCarterPhotographs.com. So here is the poem that he reads, and it is by Charles Bukowski, B-U-K-O-W-S-K-I. And it is a great message to kind of everybody. You know, I've either had a family, a job, something has always been in the way. But now, I've sold my house, I've found this place, a large studio. You should see the space and the light. For the first time in my life, I'm going to have a place and the time to create. No, baby. If you're going to create, you're going to create whether you work 16 hours a day in a coal mine or you're going to create in a small room with three children while you're on welfare. You're going to create with part of your mind and your body blown away. You're going to create blind, crippled, demented. You're going to create with a cat crawling up your back while the whole city trembles in earthquake, bombardment, flood, and fire. Baby, air and light and time and space have nothing to do with it. And don't create anything, except maybe a longer life to find new excuses for. Now, about the third time you hear that, you really get it. Right. <laughs> Which is the advantage to podcasts. You guys can go and listen to it Rewind more. <laughs> <laughs> and it is worth hearing because it will sink in. I read it each day in my workshops at the, at the start of the day. That is cool. That is definitely cool. Um, we were talking about intent. And when you're lighting a shot, the light that you use is key to the intent of the photo. And we think about light a lot as hard light and soft light and evil soft boxes and umbrellas and things like that. And we don't think about light a lot in terms of why we light. Now, I would argue that all good light has at least one of the following three qualities. It is either flattering, it is credible, or it is interesting. And which of those qualities it has or what combination it has stems from what you are trying to do with the photograph and the reason for taking it. For instance, well, let's start out by talking about what those three kinds of lights are. And they're not setups. They can be completely different lighting setups and different ways of lighting depending on the photographer. But flattering light, quite simply, is light that makes the subject look good. It might be hard. It might be soft. Um, if it's for a monster movie, it might like make things look scary. <laughs> if it's an older woman, it might be soft, beautiful light. If it's a guy, you might have light that's a little bit harder to bring out some lines and some cheekbones. It just depends. Credible lighting is lighting that is believable light within the situation. The photographer's hand is not apparent. 
you look at the shot and look at the light and believe that the light is really there. And that is completely different lighting in all sorts of situations. The last is interesting. And interesting light is simply light that is compelling or beautiful to look at. And beautiful in its broadest terms, because sometimes very ugly things are beautiful within a photograph. But it is light that you look and go, wow, look at the light. And still very appropriate to what you are doing. Now, to take a look at how you might use these with, let's say, a photograph that you're doing for an ad for a breakfast cereal, and it's a family having breakfast in the morning. Well, your most important thing is probably to use the light in such a way that you believe that they're having breakfast in the morning. Right. Which is completely different light than if they were having dinner in the evening and the sun had gone down, and different light than noon. The sun is probably low outside. It's probably warm. It might be coming through a window, which is not fake by a softbox, but by a window or something in that shape that restricts the light and light coming in from outside. The setup could get complicated, but the important part is that it's credible. It's believable. Believable light on a street at night could be a very high light source or two that comes down and hits the subject that might be from a street light. Totally different light. It's believable. Right. It also needs to be flattering. It needs to be light that makes the people and the subject look good because you're trying to sell the cereal. And both of those things are crucial. If it's interesting and pretty to look at, so much the better, but probably not your priority. If I've got to do a portrait of somebody and I'm hired by a magazine and it's a funky magazine, interesting light might be the most, inter the most important quality. If I'm hired by that same person, I might want to make the light flattering because my objective is to make them look good. Why I'm shooting a picture will help me make that determination. Now, when I know what my priority is between interesting, flattering, and credible, then I start to ask the questions about what light is believable here, what light do I think will make them look good, what light do I like the look of that's appropriate to this photograph. And those are technical questions, but you have to begin by knowing the reason, knowing the intent of the photograph, and that helps you decide how to even think about lighting. So all this takes place before you even touch a piece of equipment. You're actually trying to... Absolutely. This takes place before I set up my camera a lot of the times, and after a while... It's something that you naturally do, and it's something photographers naturally do anyway if they work, but they might not think about it. Sure. But the beginning of the way you light is looking at what your objective is, what you're trying to do with the lighting. Which goes back to the inspiration that we talked about a little bit earlier. It goes back to the inspiration. It goes back to intent. Intent. It all sits on intent. Everything in a photograph that's a good photograph since on you communicating the way you see the world to others or even maybe the way your client sees the world or wants other people to see the world, that mm. it is a communication of a specific vision through a visual language. People talk and ask what I think is a really dangerous question because it's confusing. 
which is what are you trying to say with this photograph? The problem with the question is the question is asked with language. And if you have a complicated answer about, well, it's about my father and how he treated me and this thing that happened when I was six and how that related to my brother and I'm holding a picture of my brother to represent this and my father is represented by his hat that I'm wearing, what you get is this convoluted, really bad photograph that makes sense to no one. <laughs> because it's language translated into photography and translated poor, poorly. It's badly translated poetry that loses everything in another language because it doesn't hold up. The, the photograph might simply be described as, this is how I see my father. This is the feelings that I have about this. And how someone sees their father might not have their father in the photograph at all. Right. It's an emotional feeling. What a photo is saying might simply be described as, this is how I see blue. <laughs> um, it doesn't sound good in English. In the same way that, you know, that's why a photo is worth a thousand words. But it doesn't translate properly anyway. You can't try and translate one to the other. A good photo is a point of view on something. This is how I see, and then whatever your subject is. So be very careful about the question, what are you trying to say with your photo, thinking that it's got to be a complicated answer. It's answered visually. It's not answered with words. You need to just get it looking at it, then you're successful. i got to thank you, Mark. This has been a really, uh, a really amazing conversation because a lot, of, a lot of the things that you were, especially in the beginning half of this, are things that I've been debating about and thinking about this week and stuff. And you, you've offered up a lot of advice that I really needed to hear tonight. Thank you. Before I go, can I plug a few things? Oh, absolutely. Certainly. Before I go, I want to plug a few things that might be of interest to people. I teach a workshop called Photographing People for Publication. The next one is early July. There will be another one come spring. I might do one in the fall, although right now I'm doing an advanced version of it scheduled for October, and I'm not sure if I'm going to do two back-to-back, -back, but people might be interested in looking at and taking that workshop. I also offer an apprenticeship program. Information on that can be found at the bottom of the workshop page. My website is studiomark.com, and, of course, I'm available for photography. Ah! And I do personal coaching. And if you email me, I can send you information on that. And for some people, that's uh, been rather helpful. Absolutely. Uh, we've been spending a lot of time tonight with Mark Robert Halper, who is welcome on the show anytime. We really appreciate the time you spent with us tonight, Mark. My pleasure. I love doing this. Well, that's all we have for this episode of Light Source the brightest podcast on the internet. Be sure to check out the show notes at studiolighting.net for the things that we talked about on today's show. And there you can also find links about our photography and keep up with the stuff that we've been shooting. And don't forget you can send us feedback or questions about the show to studiolighting at gmail.com. And we'll try to answer those questions on the show or in the lighting questions section on studiolighting.net. You can also get feedback on your photography in our Flickr group, which is at www.flickr.com slash groups slash light source. Till next time. Take care.